Welcome to Episode 8 of Deep Natter. I'm Jeffrey Sidoris, and in this episode, Sean and I are talking about collaboration and finding your voice. And to help us illustrate some of this, we're going to be talking about a terrific HBO documentary from 2017 called Spielberg. And while the film is ostensibly about how Steven Spielberg became one of the greatest directors of all time, largely pulling from his own life experiences, it's also about the group of filmmakers who came up around him, pushing him and each other to go further and just be better at the craft that they love so much. Here we go. Close enough. What do the kids say? I'll fix it in post. <laughs> I wouldn't know. It was a long time ago for me. It's what all, it's what all the YouTube kids say. All, all, the, all the Instagram kids. Yeah. Yeah. Just shoot it in 120 with image stabilization and fix it in post, baby. <laughs> uh, so, um, I know I know one of the things I wanted to talk about with you, and I'm so glad that you watched it. Thank you for taking the time to watch it, uh, was the Spielberg documentary on HBO. Well, you, you, you can watch it other places. I just happened to see it on HBO. I think you, you got it on Amazon Prime. Ironically, Jeffrey, I watched it on Amazon. <laughs> yeah. You know, my favorite company. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sure. They had that available. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, some things they're ready to take your money do for. You, well, do you want to address this? I mean, I you... did, I, the, the very the very quick version is, it's just, I mean, today's the release day for the book, which is obviously an exciting day, but... Uh, Should be. It seems to be um, a litany of glitches, uh, Amazon, um, on, on Amazon's platform that have canceled a ton of people's pre-orders for some reason. Um, digital and physical, and I don't really have any answers, which is incredibly frustrating. So the publisher is uh, scrambling, trying to sort it out, and uh, they don't have any answers either. So, Is it on Amazon's end exclusively, or do they share some of, I mean, without going into too much detail, have you learned anything new in the past couple days? Do they share any of the the brunt with the publisher, or is it, did they find out some information? Honestly, I don't know. Somewhere between publisher, distributor, Amazon, but it is only Amazon. People who mm. bought it anywhere else is no problem. It's just, it's just, it's just Amazon. Like it's, all, it's all just US... the largest bookseller in the world that's having the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one who's had the most experience <laughs> of all of them. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah that sends Bezos to the to the moon in penis shaped rockets, but apparently they can't ship a book. So right, we can't we can't expect too much from these guys. No, no. Yeah. No. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all all U.S. digital pre-orders. Amazon have cancelled them all. So Kindle orders, all digital and physical Germany books have, have people have been getting emails telling them their orders canceled and it's not canceled. You know, I mean, the, the, the file is there with Amazon for the Kindle and the books are in the warehouse ready to go out. It's just like glitches and mistakes being made all over the place, which is obviously just incredibly frustrating because, you know, I mean, I finished writing this thing in January. I, I didn't screw up. But now right. because a bunch of other people are screwing up, it makes me look really bad and uh, yeah. obviously is going to hurt because a lot of those pre-orders, I'll never get them back. They're just gone. So I've just lost a ton. Of, well, and uh, from what you've said, there's, there's no way to know how many digital, pre- I mean, Amazon knows, of course, but there's no way for you or right. the publisher to know how many digital pre-orders you've lost. Well, because Amazon aren't going to give out details of customers right. and the rest of it because it's probably illegal for them to do that. Um, right. Yeah, it's just it's just absolutely maddening. So instead of shouting about the release of a book I've been waiting for for ages today, I've just kind of been keeping my mouth shut and hiding my head under a pillow because it's just so 
freaking embarrassing and humiliating, you know? That said, uh, we, Sean and I had a terrific conversation about the book. So even if you are experiencing uh, a delay in getting your copy of the book, you can listen to a conversation of us talking about the book and you can get a little teaser of, of some of the, um, some of the content and what may come in an audiobook form either later in the year or next year. I don't know when that's going to happen, but, uh, <laughs> in a, in a well-timed, <laughs> in a well-timed fashion, let's put it this way. <laughs> an uh, opportune moment. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, I will say that, that it was really cool for me to be able to talk to you because I, I, I said in the intro of the thing that, you know, I've been lucky enough to hear little snippets during the production and during the writing of it. But this conversation, this was the first time that you and I actually got a chance to sit down and talk about the whole thing as a finished product. And I really appreciate the opportunity of doing that. That was a lot of fun well, for me. I mean, it was amazing for me because like I said to you, I've, I've done over the last uh, month or so, I've done maybe five, six, seven different podcasts about the book and none of them have read it yet because they haven't got in their hands. So you're Which the first is person. mind-numbing to me. I know, I know. You're the first person I've actually been able to talk to about it who's actually read the thing. So it was, yeah, it was really great to do. So yeah, if there's, if you want to, if there is a podcast you want to listen to that's connected to this book, the, the one with Jeffrey is definitely the one to go listen to. Because yeah, he's read thank it. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> little, because I've read the little it. little things, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a detail. You, you yeah. wouldn't think that it would be important, but somehow it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair to other people, they couldn't get it. And apparently they couldn't even get it now. So, you right. know I mean? Like, right. Oh, man, it's... Yeah, if yeah it wasn't, it's... Um, it wasn't so sad, it'd be funny. It's, yeah. it's been such a hard thing for you. I mean, I can, I can definitely speak to that, that it's been, you know, and not just from the, the physical part of it, of getting it out there. Yes, that, but, but the sort of mental and emotional and existential toll that it's taking because you've put so much work into it and it, and it speaks to reputation and it speaks to, you know, how you conduct yourself out in the world. It kind of flies in the face of that. And man, it's, I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, I definitely empathize with you in, in what's been going on. Yeah. You know what it is? I was thinking about it now while I was, um, Pouring myself a gin and tonic in the kitchen because it's one of those days. <laughs> is I thought like, hey, it's always a good time for a G and T. You're like, not going to get an argument out of me. I, 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 yeah. I mean, I, I, I never drink stuff on my own at home, but I thought I'm going to have a gin and tonic because it's one of those days. It was supposed to be I'll have one to celebrate, but as it is, it's going to be one just to get through the rest of the day. But it was, um, it was. Uh, I was just thinking then. I was like, the the problem with all this is is actually. I don't trust people easily anyway when it comes right. to working with people creatively. Um, and this is just like the worst experience you can have because, you know, I mean, there, there was obviously the option for me just to publish this myself at the start. Yes. Yes. And I, I decided that, you know, I, I, I knew I would make a lot less money going through a publisher with a book. I knew that. I knew that up front. Um, but the reason to do it is because you get much wider reach in theory because of marketing and distribution. But because all that's just fallen down, it's like, well, there was no reason to do this. Plus, it's like, why on earth would you, would you, would you, would you trust other people with this thing that you love? I mean, it just, I mean, obviously it could have gone brilliantly and I wouldn't be thinking this way, but today I'm just like, I already struggle to, to, to hand over my video editing to someone else for YouTube. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, I'm worried mm -hmm. everything will go wrong. And yet, and yet with this, I'm like, oh, you know, well, if there's a project to work with other people on, it's this one, because hopefully it gets out there further. And it's just like, I mean, this just makes you want to retreat back into your hole 
to, to have the worst parts of my need to control every part of my process take over and go, well, I just don't want to trust anyone. I just want to do everything myself because I know it will get done, you know? And well, I think that's the other side of it is you know that it would get done. You've published four books, five books actually, uh, on your own without hitch, without incident. And now you, you know, this, this publisher came to you. So you, you, you have a certain amount of trust. They, you, you know, their track record in terms of what they have published. So there's a certain uh, level of trust that's assumed. I, I, yeah, I've got friends who've been published by them. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just the minute you start to get the big chain of things, you know, publishers, distributors, big companies like Amazon involved. There's just so many moving parts and so much automation for things that can go wrong. It's just like, oh gosh, keep it small and sell to your core audience is, is what I feel like now. Yeah. Like yeah. that was a mistake. Just, just, you should have just sold it to the people who know what you're doing and care, done it on a smaller scale. You would have been happy with it. The, the pe like people would have got things on time. They would have been happy with it and it would have been a good experience. As it is, I took a risk to get it out wider. And at the moment, even the people who are my core audience who ordered it from me can't get it, let alone it, get getting, it, yeah. it getting further outside of that audience. So it's just, the gamble is really not paid off. And it's just, right. I mean, who knows in the long run, you know, maybe- Two months down the line, lots of stuff recovers. People do replace those orders, although I'm not that hopeful because who knows? Um, and uh, maybe maybe it doesn't matter so much, even though this obviously still matters because it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's just a bit heartbreaking, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can can we dive into something that you that you said, and it does it does relate to the book, but I I think well, it's... we don't have to talk about the book. No, 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 want, no, 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 no you're it's it's more about the the sort of wrestling control away from you on the part of someone else like you 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 mentioned about not wanting to and not being willing to give up control or 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 uh, a reluctance to collaborate mm -hmm. do you do you want to talk a little bit about where that came from or should we just dive somewhere else to let go of it no i don't mind i don't know how much there is to say about it i mean i think for me we might've mentioned it on here, to be honest, that, mm. um, growing up with, uh, um, my dad having left when I was quite young and a mom who was very critical and that was yeah. my only parent figure and always feeling like I had to have everything perfect to make sure one that she wasn't upset any more than she already was because my dad bailed, um, and, and not to cause any trouble and not to be an issue myself. I feel like, I felt like I had to grow up really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where my perfectionism definitely comes from and my need to control everything so that everything's done right. And, you know, I, I'm a good boy. I did it properly. You know, all that's all that sort of right. childish right. stuff that still lives in us. Like that's where it comes from. Um, to the point where, you know, I'm, I was that kid at school. I think a lot of people are, to be honest, who like just hated doing group work, you know, where you all got the same grade. I'm like, no, no, no. Oh man. Yeah. I hated that. Give me, give me a mark for the work that I do and make right. it fair. And I don't care what it is, but don't give me, don't give me that. I, I never wanted to collaborate. I didn't want to do it. Um, and video over the years has been a bit of a salvation because it's more of a create, like a collaborative medium. But the more I moved into photography, photography is very solitary and, and people get quite competitive with it. And I really fought against sort of closing up and, and joining that and staying open and staying collaborating with people. And this book, it just felt like, oh, that's good. You know, this is an opportunity to spread it wider again and work with teams of people and make things happen. And it's just like, oh, I just wanted to close it all down again, shut everything down, 
just do everything from my little website to my little group of people and just keep it that simple. And I don't care about anything else. That's what it made me want to do, which I know right. is a reaction today because of the last few days and everything that's been sort of, you know, cascading and falling over and setting itself yeah, on right. fire. But like, <laughs> but it, it is because it, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to, it's a struggle to collaborate. I mean, I know you've had some of the same struggles when you've collaborated with people over the years. Like, Oh, it, sure. Yeah, sure. It's, it's hard, isn't it? Do you have any sense yet? I know this is, I mean, this is still such a, such a new wound, but do you have any sense yet on how it might affect how and to what degree you're willing to collaborate in the future? Or are you able to kind of lock this off as, as a, as it's its own event? No, I mean, if you ask me today, I don't, I don't, I want to, I want to work on my own. That's it. But then I know that's me being emotional and just reacting to stuff because it's not really how I feel. But it's, uh, yeah, today I'm like just, um, for the next while, I'm just putting my head down and closing the doors and doing my work, you know? But I, know, I also know that's not a healthy person to be, and I don't, I don't want to end up like that, but I'm definitely allowing myself that feeling today. Cause, yeah. <laughs> well, and to be fair, I mean, in, I'm not going to, you know, divulge too much of this, but it, it has been sort of one thing after another. And it got to yeah. the point the other day where you're... <laughs> You called me and you're like, guess what happened today? Uh, yeah, and you, and you, I said, you guessed something crazy and, it, and yeah. it was like, no, it's much worse than that. Yeah. I, I think I said, I don't know. Your car got stolen. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you were like, car got stolen. Yeah, they can have it. <laughs> that would be the easier one oh, yeah, to deal with. Quick yeah. police report and get, call the insurance company. Job done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it has been, uh, it has taken quite a toll. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Oh, yeah. But yeah. watching this uh, watching this Spielberg documentary was good last night because I was literally sitting there with all this stuff kicking off. I can't do anything about it, and I'm waiting for little bits of info to drip in, and none of it's good. And it's right. two in the morning, and I'm up going like I can't sleep, so I smashed the, the Spielberg doc, which was great. It was, was great, really and it, th- it ties into uh, what you had just said and what, actually what both of us have experienced about Father, it's a father and son story. I mean, yes, it's yeah. a documentary, but if you look at almost every one of Stephen's movies, there's a father and son story in there somewhere. Which, which you is, and I are both suckers for. Yeah, right. <laughs> if anything will make me cry in a movie, it's a father-son it, that, moment. That's I'm, it. I'm, I'm a mess. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was it was fascinating how some of that made its way into the films that he made, s- some more subtly some more um obvious and even and even you know overt and the the first one that comes to mind for me is uh the scene in close encounters where where Roy is breaking down in the bathtub and the little boy is his son is slamming you know slamming the door open and closed yelling cry baby cry baby cry baby yeah, yeah. And I've forgotten that scene. It's really powerful. And that happened in Stephen's life. He was telling a story about going into the kitchen and his parents were talking about splitting up and his father was crying and he just lost it. And he started screaming at his father, cry baby, cry baby. And they had to, you know, sort of restrain him and pull him out of the kitchen. And, and that, that memory, that, that event, that, that, you know, sort of sense memory was so strong that it, it, wound up in close encounters and he describes a few of those types of events that that either made their way you know as as kind of obvious 
references or or more subtle, but it's always there. And if mm. you I, and I never really put the two together, so I really enjoyed um, hearing him and and his sisters, who were terrific additions to that documentary, talk about yeah. some of the you know some of the things that were happening uh, growing up. And is you know what a story. His parents split up and. And his mother fell in love with someone else and his father fell in, so, in love with someone else. But then years later, they, they end up back together. And I mean, it just, it was a fascinating story. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, um, it's interesting because like, I think, uh, like I, I do talk about it in the book about where does your voice come from? Mm-hmm. You know, your unique creative voice. And I, I, I talk there about like, it comes out of who you are, like how you're shaped and what your worldview is and the things that affect you. And what a great example of that, you know, somebody who came up through, you know, US suburbia in a particular era, surrounded mm-hmm. by a particular kind of community, a particular kind of family structure that, that is, is both really nurturing and also very troubled at times that then gets explored in a whole lifetime worth of filmmaking, you know, it's, it's like he couldn't help but make anything else. I get the feeling, you know, because that's, right, right, right. That's the stuff that formed him. Yeah. And, and, and then the, the whole uh, aspect of him kind of, you know, he just wanted to fit in. He wanted to assimilate. He wanted to just be, you know, one of the kids and he just, he was, you know, his family is obviously Jewish and he describes an event where, where his grandfather and grandmother had come to visit and he was out playing. And this was, I think this was in Phoenix. He was out playing with his friends and his grandfather is standing on the front porch yelling, Shmuel, Shmuel, which is his, his Jewish name. And, and his friends are like, who's he talking to? He's, he's on your front porch. And Stephen's like, yeah, I don't know. You know, <laughs> crazy old man. I don't know who he's talking to. And, and he kind of turned his back on his Jewishness because he just wanted to fit in. And, and those themes also find their way into his films as well. Again, on varying levels of, of complexity. Um, but I thought, yeah, I mean, it, it, that put me back right, right to that chapter of, of finding your voice and, and his voice, I think you're right. It, he couldn't not be what he became. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Cause like you get to Schindler's list in Munich, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's almost because the early stuff, they were right as well. The other thing they pointed out is how often he deals with themes of divorce, mm-hmm. um, because obviously that was such a traumatic thing from his childhood. And then it's almost like that's what he's focusing on. Those are the demons he's exercising early on in his career and sort of putting out of his mind his his heritage. Right. And then at some point it, he can't escape it anymore. And he, he has to dive back in and then starts making Schindler's List, Munich and the rest of it to sort of explore you know, more of who he is, which I think is like, and isn't that the best stuff that comes out? Like he, he, he talked about films that didn't work. Was it 1941? Oh yeah. Awful movie. Yeah. Because, but I mean, <laughs> you should watch like, it just to see what a departure it is. I'd never from, even heard of it. Well, it, it, and he talks about it a little bit because he was on top of the world. I mean, he had done, yes, he had Jaws, done yeah. Jaws and Close Encounters and, you know, he was this golden boy and he thought, I can do comedy. How, how hard can comedy be? I'm funny. I know funny things. So he did this movie with John Belushi uh, yeah. and it was awful and it tanked <laughs> and yeah. then nobody wanted to touch him again, yeah. you know, but yeah. I mean, that's cause that's interesting, but I, I reckon also it's probably cause there's no, I don't think there's any of him in that movie. I wonder if there's something about the more of yourself you put into something, the more it connects with others. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly would seem like that's the case with him, mm. you know, now he, it, one of the things that, that, I mean, you might find this really odd or foreign, but he, he, he collaborates with the same people again and again and again. Yeah. Could, could you see yourself getting to a place where. <laughs> not today. <laughs> not today. Not today. But could you see yourself doing sort of the Spielberg or the, or the Clint Eastwood thing where you find a, a group of people to collaborate with and those are your go-to. That's, that's your creative circle that you go to again and again to produce different work. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, I am looking for that. I'd, I would yeah. love to have somebody just in the area here. I have thought about it who could help me film because obviously mm -hmm. filming yourself is a nightmare. Right. But if you have somebody else to help you, you can get a lot more creative and do a lot more things. So it'd be great to find someone sort of in my area. In fact, Simon Baxter and I have talked about it, that we'd help each other out on, on, on making videos, which would help. Like I definitely do that sort of thing. If I trusted the person's aesthetic and I could sort of say what I wanted and, and get it and I could do the same for them, then I feel like that's a really good collaboration to have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does take a lot of trust. It does take a lot of, because I have collaborated with people with filmmaking and it doesn't work. People who, who are good at what they do, but I've been really specific about what I want and they ignored it and did what they normally do. Mm -hmm. In which case I shouldn't have wasted my time or your time asking that, you know, it's, right, it's right, right, right. I think collaboration is a, is, is a knife edge and you both have to be on the same page that you're there to serve the other person. You're not there to show off about what you can do That's or try and change what the other yeah. person's doing. It's, it's like, I'm here to serve this thing that you do. If we're working on something you do. Yeah. If we, yeah. If we do I it, think you're right. If we do it together, then there has to be mutual trust and respect and an understanding that that thing that you're building is only as good as both of you together. It can't be in service of one and the others tagging along. I just don't think that works if it's a joint project. It's, it's a real hard balance, I think. Yeah. Has it ever really worked for you in your life, in your creative life? Um, not for a long time. I think the last time I can think about it was, was working for the church. So when I used to have a band or a few bands, they used to travel around South Africa and play music. Like th those bands were incredibly collaborative and, and in a really healthy, good way. Mm -hmm. um, I miss those times. I miss, I miss being able to jump in a van, you know, with a trailer with a bunch of like a sound system and a bunch of instruments and just travel and, you know, gigging and practicing and working on songs. And yeah, I mean, and, and that was great because we all knew what we were good at and what we were terrible at. And I was, I was nowhere near the best musician in that group. I was probably one of one of the one of the low rung people that just I knew how to front a band, but like the the most of those musicians were much better than I was, and I knew how to lean on them, and feature them and celebrate them in what we were doing, in a way that they felt they had ownership of it and were, were really adding to it, you know, rather than trying to sort of stick it all under my name as if as if I was doing something special and they were tagging along as, as a horrible way to treat other creatives, but we had a really good mutual respect. Um, it was proper collaboration. It was really good, yeah. But not since then. No, and that's like, gosh, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. It yeah. would be interesting to see that in you. It would be interesting because I, I could see you. I think this is where, where feature-length documentaries could be really good for you because there is that sort of mentality, that sort of band mentality where, especially if you're doing it, you know, uh, uh, self kind of indie film, right? where you're, 
you're just in a van and you're going from location to location with, with this group of people who believe in this thing that you're doing. Um, it's one of the reasons I loved being in theater for a while. You know, it's that yeah, sense yeah. of collaboration. Nobody's there for the money. Nobody gets into regional theater for the money. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're making nothing. And it is about producing something that, that is tangible and intangible and palpable, uh, you know, all at the same time. And everybody's sort of has their, their lane, but at the same time, they're willing to step outside that lane to help if it's for the good of the production. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But is that the last time you can think of collaboration working for you was theater today? On, on that deep of a level. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. It's technical theater is the only job I've ever really missed. Oh, it's right, the, it's yeah. the only job I've ever really, you know, I, cause I, I went from, um, I was, I was going to be a marine biology major ah. and I was taking, uh, a couple of marine biology classes and my professor kind of pulled me aside and he said, look, I, I love, I love the passion. I love the commitment. I love, I love what you're, what you're bringing to this, but I got to let you know that, you know, th this is a long journey. You know, they're hiring people with master's degrees to be deckhands on research vessels. Wow. And if I was going to do it, I, I just, I liked the book knowledge. I liked the research part of it. Um, and I told my mom, I mean, I was registered to go to, to school in Northern California. And uh, I told my mom, I said, I, I, I don't think I can do this. And uh, to her credit, she said, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. And she said, okay, well, you got to do something because, you know, school starts in six weeks. So what do you want to do? And, uh, so I, I hadn't, I ended up having my, my, uh, transcript sent to Long Beach and they, you know, like once you're in the CS at, at that time, I don't know how it is now, but once you were in the CSU system, the Cal state system, you could, if you got accepted to one school, you could very easily kind of switch to another school within the same system. So I switched to Long Beach and, uh, I had a roommate in my, in my dorm a guy named Adam Roth and, uh, I didn't know what my major was going to be yet. I was just, you know, I was at the school. It was, it was this whole other world. And he said, well, you know what? Come, he was an actor. He said, come check out the theater building. And, uh, I, I went up with him to the theater building and day one, I mean, from the first people that I met in the hallway, these, these wonderful weirdos that I met, <laughs> it was like, these are my people. This is, yeah. I, this is it. This is absolutely it. And um, yeah, it was, it was terrific. You know, that sense of collaboration and, and, and then after school, after, after Long Beach, uh, I went to Texas and Louisiana and New York and, and had these amazing experiences with, with these groups of people who were there to make something mm. and it wasn't money that, that wasn't what they were trying to make. And, and yeah, that sense of, of community and collaboration has, has stuck with me for, for years. I mean, since then, and I've, I've never experienced it to that degree since. You know, the other, the other part of that documentary that sort of like bleeds into this as well, that really impressed me was, was that <laughs> cabal of filmmakers, you know, who sat Can you around, imagine? I know, imagine the, the, the like, what is it? Um, the Palmer, Spielberg, um, Scorsese, Scorsese Lucas, Lucas. Who all came through at about the same time? Well, exactly. The same Bob time. Zemeckis, yeah. Who were all sitting around tables and talking about their films together, 
Uh, what really impressed me actually was it made me see Indiana Jones in a new light. Yeah. Because you've got Spielberg and Lucas who, who at the time like were sort of, it, it never felt from listening to them talk or anything else that they were sort of fighting for supremacy. They had a, a really kind of bohemian approach and were, were very happy to help on each other's work or fully collaborate on things like, right. like Indiana Jones, where they're like, well, I think we could make something great together. Yeah. And it's, I think that's, when was the last time you, you, you know of a movie in our modern era where two great filmmakers have worked on it together? I can't think of one. Yeah. Or the, the scene uh, where De Palma was talking about Scarface, where Stephen came to visit Brian yes. De Palma on the set of Scarface and they were shooting the pivotal, yeah. you know, pivotal scene of the movie. And De Palma says to Spielberg, you want to shoot this one? So Spielberg actually <sighs> shot that scene, you know, that, that, that whole big, you know, say hello to my little friend. Like yeah. that whole scene was Spielberg uncredited just because these guys were all friends and you see them out, you know, drinking beer, playing pool, looking at each other's films. The other, the other thing that, that stuck out for me was when, when George Lucas invited them all over to look at a rough cut of Star Wars. Yes, yes. <laughs> they were taking the piss out of him. Yeah, and De Palma stands yeah. up and just starts berating George Lucas. Like, it's so stupid. Why would I care about any of these characters? You need context. You need backstory. Yeah. You need history. And that's where that, that story crawl at the very who's beginning the came from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's the bear and why should I care about him? Yeah. So that's where that story crawl came from. But they were so tight and... and they were so tight that they could have those kinds of discussions. And, and like Adrian said, it's, it's critique, not criticism. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they knew that they all had each other's best interests at heart. It wasn't critique to bring you down. Absolutely. Even though they, they obviously like teased each other and seemed to have a lot of fun with each other. It was like, no, I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm teasing yeah. you. I'm teasing oh, you. Coppola was the other one that was there. Coppola yes. was the other one. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, what a group. I mean, that's just yeah. the who's who of that era. Yeah. And they, they pull back at one point, they pull back on all the, the film posters of, oh, yeah. of, of these guys. And you're like, oh my God, these are some of the best movies ever made, you know? Yeah. And it's from these group of friends that were all coming up at the same time. And it was just, you know, the, it was that, that, that idea that, that uh, Eno calls senius instead of genius, this idea of, of a collaborative space that, that, that creativity is allowed to flourish, not just the lone genius who comes up with something in a, in a basement somewhere. And it's just such a perfect example of that in, in action, in motion. There's that amazing shot of, cause they're showing all this kind of almost home movie footage, you know, mm. shooting on super eights or super 16 or whatever around at parties they're having or dinners. And um, they're around a pool table and Spielberg's directing, I think it was De Palma who had the camera. Yeah. He's like, yeah, put, put the camera over the hole and I'm going to shoot the ball at the hole, move it at the last second. Where like, literally, they can't even just play a game of pool without like <laughs> making films for fun, you know? Yeah, it's yeah like, it was wow. great. I mean, imagine being in that space. I, what, what, what really impressed me, like talking about collaboration and working with other people and everything is, was the complete lack of, just a complete lack of competitive ego. And uh, I don't know what's happened since. Like if they, if they don't have it and look who they are. Right. And, and even, it wasn't like they were nobody then. And that's why they didn't have an ego. They were, they were still some of the best filmmakers in the world when that, when that was happening. Mm -hmm. There was, it just didn't feel like there was this hugely competitive, aggressive thing going on between them. They were, yeah, they're happy to work with each other and talk about each other's films and champion each other's work. And yeah. I, I, I love that. I think it's because if they, if they, can be like that towards each other 
I have no excuse because I'm no Spielberg. You know what I mean? Right. I'm, I'm, right. I'm nothing. So if, if, if he can have that unthreatened, generous attitude towards his fellow makers, then, then I, I, I'm, I have no excuse. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, you hit it on the head. At the end of the day, they just wanted to see good work and they didn't really care where it came from. They would celebrate that work. They would hope it would be theirs. But if it was one of their friends who did that, they were quick to, to celebrate the, the, the victories as well, even if it wasn't their own. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, to your point, I don't know when that changed, but it absolutely has changed. Yeah, it, it's, it's very, it's very siloed now, isn't it? Seems to be. Yeah. Everyone's in their own corners doing their own thing. Looking over their shoulder, making sure nobody is, is seeing how they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Protecting their techniques and it's magic. and no, no, <laughs> no phones out in case someone films something and shares it and brings right. it. Yeah. It's just so insecure. Um, so it's, yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was the biggest thing that I think that I took away from that is, is that that sense of collaboration that he has encouraged and nurtured over, you know, what, 50 years, 40 something. Yeah. I guess 50 years of filmmaking. And, and the fact that his longest, his longest collaborator is John Williams. I love that. I love that, that, you know, they are, they are in, in some ways sort of kindred spirits, but in other ways, they're so opposite that their work can only complement one another. It can't really threaten the other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that it's him. I mean, I suppose Kaminsky's the other one. Um, yeah. I mean, because... Yeah, <laughs> Kaminsky with the with the unfeasible lighting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think it's, I think it's. Uh, it, I mean, it's well worth a watch. We should probably just remind people, like, if you go on HBO or I, I found on Amazon Prime, the, the documentary itself is just called Spielberg, and it's really, really worth two hours of your time just to to dive into it. Because I, I, I really feel like this. I, I mean, now I've just before this to kill time amidst all the crap that's going on at the moment. I've been watching interviews with Mark Rylance. Do you know who Mark Rylance is? Uh, English actor. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, very stern looking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Spielberg, okay. Spielberg's been collaborating with him a lot um, over the last few films because, uh, I mean, it, uh, he first came on my radar, uh, admittedly, with a, with a series here called Wolf Hall. Mm. which uh, is about the rise of Thomas Cromwell um, under Henry VIII and uh, Rylance plays Cromwell. And I, I can't mm. remember seeing an actor's performance and it, it haunting me. So I had to go back and watch the whole thing again straight away just for one person's acting. He was, wow. he was so incredibly understated, but like incredibly powerful. He's mesmerizing to watch. Um, and then obviously uh, Spielberg picked him up for... Bridge of Spies and BFG. Yeah, I was just going to say, wasn't he BFG? Yeah, 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 and Ready Player One. So he 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 saw he saw exactly the same thing. Everyone else is Wolf Hall, and work, I've got to work with this guy. He's incredible. I know. Um, um, he's in Dunkirk as well. He's the he's the dad, the captain of the boat in Dunkirk. Um, yeah, I mean, he's and and it just I feel like like and this is why like i i try and watch interviews or documentaries about any creative person like a a filmmaker a musician a painter it doesn't matter like that that one you sent me um was another fantastic one about this the the painters um uh what was it called i don't know the which art- one did i send you um uh which who was it 
the the um the, with the auctioneers and the art and how they sort of, oh the think? price of everything the price of everything fantastic yeah, documentary another terrific because, documentary yeah because I, I and I actually prefer watching uh, creative documentaries about things I'm not actually engaged with personally because it becomes much more about their process and their philosophy for making things rather than the technique of them making something which I might get distracted by if it was photographers yeah. You know? And it, I, I, I devour that stuff because I just find it fascinating to listen to. Like we've said before, inside the actor's studio, mm-hmm. since actors talk about their process. Um, I think there's so much to be, to be gleaned and applied if you, if you just listen to their journey, like listen to what it took them to make what they make in the style that they made it and how they discovered who they were and then let that come out in their work. I, I find that stuff so inspiring. Yeah. My, my taste in movies has really changed and I, I've become more of a fan of documentary. He I loves think Michael the, Bay now, people. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can't get enough of Transformers. That's right. I, I watch Michael Bay movies over and over again and Peter McKinnon videos on YouTube. That's all I watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, love, I love the idea of stripping away filmmaking to context exposition. Mm. You know, I mean, documentaries can have, you know, terrible lighting. They can have really shoddy footage. I'm watching this, the, the Val documentary right now, Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah. And it, it's fantastic. I mean, the guy has been filming things starting on Super 8 since he was, you know, five, six years old. And he's got thousands of reels. He's got it in a big storage facility that he has to go sort of check things out of. You know, it's, mm. it's this massive library of things that he's filmed. And it's, you know, if you're watching a Marvel movie or if you're watching a, 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 some sort of big Hollywood production and there's a change in the lighting or the, there's a, a really grainy shot that was obviously shot on a different film stock or something like that, you notice it, you, you, you probably mention it to the people that you're with, you make a, a mental note of it, whatever. But documentary is so much more forgiving because I find anyway that I, I find that I am so engrossed in what's being said that I will forgive, you know, the fact that you, you shot this on a VHS C camera in 1984, you know, I, I will forgive that, that this is a, you know, a super eight film from the early seventies because I'm so tied to the story. I'm so sort of pulled into what you're saying to me. Yeah. Well, Spielberg hitting a pool ball at your camera lens. Yeah, right. <laughs> not, not, not lifting the camera away at the, at the right yeah, time. Yeah. And it, and smashing into the lens. Not a good <laughs> shot, but what an amazing moment. Yeah, exactly. yeah but what an amazing moment. Yeah. yeah. Or, or the, you know, De Palma saying, you know, that was the worst pan I've ever seen. You're, look at me. You're shooting me in the shadows. You're not going to see anything here. Just totally <laughs> just razzing him about it. You, know? um, you forgive those things because it really does become part of a, of a narrative. And it's a narrative that Yes, it was written, but it wasn't written in the same way that a script is written. No. It feels different. And I find that I'm, I'm connecting more with that. And I've been listening to more podcasts, some courtesy of you. Thank you very much for your recommendations. But yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I think I could watch documentaries for a long time and not get bored with them because you're seeing, to your point, you're seeing how other people do it. You're seeing sort of behind the, 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 the curtain. And I just like that. I just like that it's real life. It's that simple for me. I like knowing yeah. that what I'm seeing is, is something that actually happened because I can believe what it means then, you know, yeah. more yeah. than if it was constructed. 
I mean, this, that was one of the criticisms I found was interesting about Steven's work, Spielberg's work is, is Stephen, my buddy Stephen. I know. <laughs> like, You're talking to him after this. It's, yeah, it's so Stephen feeling. and I were chatting and just, you know, it's like, <laughs> like Stephen, darling. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, was how many people kept saying that they, they, they had an issue or didn't necessarily agree with how, how sweet, optimistic, and sometimes saccharine his films turned out to be as opposed to like color purple came up, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a really gritty, dark novel in some ways. And yet he turned it into something that felt like Disney. Um, and they kind of, they kind of criticized him in those interviews for that documentary. And I thought that's interesting, right. you know, like they, that's, that's people's real opinion. And, and the fact that he's, he's creating films that people don't actually, sometimes don't actually believe is real life and are too sweet or doesn't work for a lot of people which obviously is never a problem with a documentary because what you get is what you get. I mean, you could edit it to sort of sweeten it up, I suppose, but that the whole point with a doc is to get you to, is to give you a plunge in the deep end of, of reality, you know, whatever, whether that's good or bad, but he was almost accused. And I kind of agree with it. in a lot of his film is it's, everything's tied up slightly too neatly at the end, which he wants mm-hmm. to do. He's, he's not making yeah. a mistake. That's exactly the film he wants to make. And it will, it will work for lots of people, especially, parents who want to take their kids to the movies. Right. But um, for some people, it kind of leaves, it leaves you wanting a bit more, doesn't it? It leaves like a bit more reality or real life, which of course, then he makes Schindler's List and Munich, which are the opposite end of that, which are like, okay, I'm going to- And Bridge of Spies. I mean, that was, yeah, you know, yeah, another yeah. tone. Yeah. Uh, I mean- Even, I mean, even just, Lincoln, I think. Yeah, that's true. But the, but the one that stood out for me was- um, uh, Schindler's List that the, he ends it with that real footage of those Holocaust survivors going to, to Schindler's grave at the end it turns yeah. the colour footage and becomes that that just documentary footage of the real people going and putting stones on Schindler's grave like right. that's like wow that's a that, that that's like I mean that's that's you, if, if you watch that at the time even now and asked who who directed this film I don't think you'd say Spielberg because it doesn't feel like a Spielberg film but it's almost like he'd had enough and needed to say something hard and difficult. He, he talked in that, didn't he, about how many times he was sitting with his wife in the corner just having to cry because it was yeah. so heavy making yeah. that film, you know. Well, and they actually I, made it in Auschwitz, didn't they? Yeah, they shot, I was just going to say, and, and being on location there in Auschwitz and Dachau, they, they spent 40 days in, in Dachau. And wow. man, I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine that. You know, I'm not Jewish, but I can't imagine what that must have felt like because he was still struggling with his Jewishness at that point. He was still, you know, sort of feeling the guilt over having abandoned uh, this this whole other side of himself and and trying to do right by that in addition to trying to tell this story, in addition mm-hmm. to, you know, starting the Shoah Foundation for, for other, other people. I mean, it was just, it, there was so much on his plate. And working on Jurassic Park at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Could you get two more different films? <laughs> you've got, you've got uh, Jeff Goldblum, and arr, arr, you know, carrying on in the van, and then you've got to go over and shoot stuff in a concentration camp. You can't get much more different than that, can you? No, no. But he pulled it off, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, didn't, didn't he win the Oscar for director for Schindler's List? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, didn't it, it won Best Film as well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you got a chance to watch it. Yeah, I'd recommend 
everyone watch that. I mean, even if you're not a film fan, honestly, I think you'll get a lot out of just listening to a guy discover his voice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's fascinating stuff. Subscribe to Jeffrey Sidoris Everything in your favorite podcast app to get Deep Natter along with Process Driven and everything else I release all in one feed. If you'd like to support the show and help others find it, you can leave a review or a rating wherever you listen and share it on social media. And as a reminder, you can listen to the show live and be a part of the conversations Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Clubhouse. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K on his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sidoris. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S or on my website at jeffreysidoris.com. As always, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you sharing your time with us and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Mm-hmm.